greetings from St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're able to join us for this podcast. We've been offering these online acts of worship every week since the first lockdown began, almost a year ago now. Each act of worship combines archive recordings of our choir and congregational singing with newly recorded readings, intercessions and sermons. We've kept a candle burning here on the altar each day since the very start of that first lockdown as a sign of hope, even when our doors have been closed. And we think about you and give thanks for you each day when it is lit. Do please leave a comment or a like as you listen to our service. It's always good to hear from you. And if you would like to donate to help support these online services, you'll find details in the accompanying text. Now, may the light and hope of Christ be with us all as our worship begins.
welcome you very warmly to St Bride's to our service of choral evensong on this, the first Sunday of Lent. Wherever you are in the world, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St Bride's family. Beloved, we are come together in the presence of Almighty God and of the whole company of heaven to offer unto him through our Lord Jesus Christ our worship and praise and thanksgiving, to make confession of our sins, to pray as well for others as for ourselves, that we may know more truly the greatness of God's love and show forth in our lives the fruits of his grace, and to ask on behalf of all men such things as their well-being doth require, Wherefore, let us kneel now and humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Let us pray. <clears throat> Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. May the Almighty and merciful Lord Grant unto you pardon and remission of all your sins, time for amendment of life, and the grace and comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
The Old Testament reading is taken from Genesis chapter 2, beginning at the 15th verse. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
The New Testament reading is taken from Romans chapter 5, beginning at the twelfth verse. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offence, so also is the free gift. For if through the offence of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offences unto justification. For if by one man's offence death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offence of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried, he descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Almighty God, whose Son, Jesus Christ, did fast 40 days in the wilderness and was tempted as we are, yet without sin, give us grace to discipline ourselves in obedience to thy Spirit, and as thou knowest our weakness, so may we know thy power to save. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that both our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee, we being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness, through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy, defend us from all perils and dangers of this night, for the love of thy only Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.
In the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. For me, one of the few really positive experiences of last year's lockdown was being part of a little group that met fortnightly on Zoom from the summer onwards to read our way through and reflect on the whole of St Mark's Gospel. Most of us are accustomed to hearing biblical stories or passages of scripture read in separate sections as Bible readings in church or as individual passages for Bible study. So it can be a revelation to encounter an entire gospel in one sweep rather than as a series of disconnected episodes which are often presented in a fairly random order. Because you experience the books of the Bible, particularly the Gospels, very differently when you read them as complete entities. Indeed, even though I was already very familiar with St. Mark's Gospel, after all, I've been studying it and preaching on it for over 30 years now, working through it systematically last year enabled me to discover all kinds of new dimensions to that fascinating New Testament text. In our Eucharist this morning, we heard a story from the very beginning of St. Mark's Gospel, which describes how, immediately after his baptism, Jesus was driven by the Spirit out into the wilderness, where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days, There, we are told, he was with the wild beasts and the angels ministered to him. Now, that is, of course, a classic biblical text with which to mark the start of this season of Lent, when, inspired by the example of Christ, we're invited to undertake our own equivalent of his 40-day sojourn in the wilderness. But my reason for mentioning that story from Mark at this service is because there's a connection that we might might easily overlook that links that episode in St. Mark's Gospel with our Old Testament lesson from Genesis this evening, in which we heard how in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, the first man and first woman created by God, disobeyed him, having been tempted by the serpent to eat the fruit that was forbidden them. Indeed, I've heard it suggested that the very opening words of St. Mark's Gospel, the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, are intended to remind its hearers of the first words of the book of Genesis, in the beginning. You will remember how the Adam and Eve story ends with that unfortunate couple being driven out of the Garden of Eden by God. So I can't help noticing, by contrast, that in St. Mark's Gospel, Jesus is driven into the wilderness. He, like Adam and Eve, also experiences temptation, but unlike them, He does not succumb to it. But what I find particularly interesting in St. Mark's account is his almost incidental reference to the fact that Jesus was with the wild beasts. Just as in the Garden of Eden before the fall, Adam was at one with every living creature. And also that the angels ministered to Jesus in Mark's Gospel. Jesus' life was wholly supported by God during that time in the wilderness, just as Adam's had been during his time in Eden. In other words, St. Mark's account of the temptation of Jesus does seem to have been deliberately intended to call to mind the story of Adam and Eve. But, absolutely typical of Mark's gospel, this is not spelt out in black and white. Rather, it is for us to notice and make the connection and to reflect 
on what that might imply. So, what might it mean? The story in Genesis is a classic example of the kind of tale that is characteristic of pre-literate societies, which gives an explanation in story form of why the world is as it is. It gives an account of why it is that our beautiful world, created by a good and loving God, is so marred by hardship, and why human beings are such weak and fallible creatures for whom life can be such a struggle, and who somehow manage to make a mess of things even when their intentions are good. In the Genesis story, there seems to be no way back into Eden and to the life that was lost, because that episode ends with an image of the cherubim and the flaming sword placed there to guard the way to the tree of life. By presenting the story of Jesus in the wilderness as he does, St. Mark manages to introduce the extraordinary thought at the very beginning of his gospel that just possibly the story told in Genesis and the expulsion of the first man and first woman from that first paradise, apparently leaving no way back for them or for their successors, is perhaps not the end of the story after all. Which is, of course, precisely what our second reading this evening from St. Paul's letter to the Romans makes explicit. As Paul writes, As by the offence of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For Jesus, his sojourn in the wilderness was a time of preparation for the ministry that was yet to unfold for him, leading, bafflingly, perplexingly, and astoundingly to his sacrificial death and glorious resurrection, through which that hope of restoration was not only made real, but was made accessible to all. But to return to our question, what does that mean for us? I find it very helpful to be reminded that even though I know all too well that I am far from perfect, both as a human being and in my Christian discipleship, actually, I do not have to be perfect to be acceptable to God because Christ has already walked that path before me and opened the door of everlasting life for all of us. And with that comes the recognition that the purpose of Lent is not as a kind of competition ground to sort out the saints from the sinners or a test of our moral fibre. Let's face it, the last 12 months have been tough enough as it is without us having to undergo yet more self-imposed deprivation. But rather, what Lent calls us to is to do our very best each day to realign our lives with Christ's so that, with the help of God's grace, we can strive to live a little more like him, to live a life with Christ at its centre, because that is the path that not only leads us back to God, but also enables us to rediscover who we really are as the unique human beings that God calls us to be. At this time of year, I always find it helpful to be reminded of a wonderful prayer written by the American Cistercian Thomas Merton, which is as disarming in its honesty as it is encouraging in its humanity. He wrote this. My Lord God, 
I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope that I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Amen. Let us pray. Jesus, Saviour of the world, you embrace the way of sacrificial love. Give your church faith and courage to follow you wherever it may lead. We ask for your blessing on the leaders of your holy churches and especially on Justin and Stephen, our Archbishops, Sarah, our Bishop, and Alison, our Rector. We pray also today for the Church of the Province of Central Africa, and for Albert Chama, Archbishop and Bishop of Northern Zambia. Also for the Church in Roskilde in Denmark, and for Peter Fischer-Muller, Bishop. In our own diocese, we pray for the Westminster St. Margaret Deanery, for Philip Chester, Area Dean, 
and for the Deanery Synod and its staff. Lord, in thy mercy, hear, hear our, prayer. our prayer. Jesus, Saviour of the world, raise up leaders who will dedicate themselves to the common good. We ask for your blessing on our Queen and Government, Members of Parliament and the leaders of the nations. Lord, in thy mercy, hear, hear our, our prayer. prayer. Jesus, Saviour of the world, in you all peoples are one. Strengthen the bonds that create a cohesive and peaceful society. We ask for your blessing in particular on those who maintain the life of our communities, for those in our health services, for our emergency services. And we continue to pray for journalists around the world. Lord, in thy mercy, hear, hear our, our prayer. prayer. Jesus, Saviour of the world, we look to you in our hour of need. Pour out your blessing on all who are ill or weakened. We remember especially those in our parish community who are in need at this time. And any others known to us. We ask for your blessing on all who suffer in body, in mind or in spirit. Lord, in thy mercy, hear, hear our prayer. Our prayer. Jesus, Saviour of the world, you came not to condemn, but to give life to the dead. Look with mercy upon the children of your promise who have departed this life. We remember before you the recently departed and those whose year's mind comes at this time. Grant eternal life to all who trust in you. Lord, in thy mercy, hear, hear our, prayer. our prayer. We commend ourselves and all for whom we have prayed to the mercy and protection of God. Merciful Father, accept, accept these, these prayers, prayers for the for sake, the sake of, of thy Son, our, our Saviour, Saviour Jesus, Christ. Jesus Christ. Amen.
God which passeth all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Oh.